episode 26, season 3 of the podcast. Rock and roll. That's how, uh, that's how we do it. Uh, ASI247.org. This is episode 26, season 3 of the podcast. I had a, a few discussions and listeners, you know, talking with folks about the last show a little bit. Psalm 51. Um, what we love. And how did somebody ask... Like, what's the difference between discipleship or obedience to God, right, and behavior modification? Like, isn't that what we're doing, Russ? Isn't it just behavior modification? Uh, kind of remind me of this song right here. Safe Music Network. The Stolen Bike Crusade is the name of that band. The song is called The Healing Process, and it's a very appropriate song for the topic today. Step six. Uh, I think it's called Music Alley now. But anyway, getting into it. I talked about on the last show how I was a 12-step skeptic, right? And, you know, I come from, I come at the 12 steps from that perspective. But before I was a 12-step skeptic, I was a religion skeptic, right? Like, I guess what happened with my, in my story was, you know, seeing the 12 steps, seeing some recovery, seeing some truth in that, and then not having that work when I applied it to my sexual problem, right? My, my circumstances as far as my sexual addiction was concerned didn't seem to mesh with the same stuff I learned, you know, with drugs and alcohol. Now, um, being a religion skeptic, I, uh, <laughs> I had to reevaluate my faith. Not just my faith, but started looking at religion in general, religions of the world, started studying that stuff and being really curious about God. And and uh, so, yeah, a bit of a religion skeptic, but I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, it's like this, you know, we all have a relationship with God. We do, all right? It's not that you don't have a relationship with God. It's that your relationship with God or how you view God, right, 
your worldview or your God view. How uh, you know you sit behind your eyes. I talked about that in the last show. How I was listening to this lecture and this guy talking about how what we love is experienced through our body. Um, I experience you know love in a, in a different way. My worldview is a different than yours. I'm in a different part of the world than you are. So my worldview is different than yours. But when I was sec- when I was just totally sexually addicted, just totally jacked up, thinking that I couldn't change, feeling like this is just I'm just stuck like this. Like well, I hate being like I don't want this anymore. Just angry. God, ah, I wanted to stop and then being mad at God about it. There was something about being mad at God about it. I was t- discussing this on uh, on Twitter. There's a hashtag called Body Life, which uh, if you tweet, I encourage you to check out. Maybe hang out there. Um, but you know, it's just folks chatting about God stuff, which is cool. Uh, Christians, right? People talking about, and some that aren't. Um, you know, people. Anyway, so in Body Life, we're talking about you know th- this this thing with anger, at least I was, it was about seeking God's presence. And as a jacked up addict, I sought his presence in anger. And, you know, I also sought it by being, getting around other people, getting around other Christians, getting around other guys with the same worldview I had, or at least, you know, being willing to learn. Because I'll be honest, I, I didn't, know if I was a Christian anymore. I just kind of gave up on the whole thing, faith and God and all of it. I really didn't go all the way to atheism, right? I, I checked out atheism, to be honest, you know, kind of looking at it. I just I just don't have enough faith to be an atheist, right? It just, it just seems all very shallow to me. Like, uh, you, you don't go to the premise. I'm a premise guy. Like, let's get to the premise. You know, you want to talk about how everything evolved, that's great. C.S. Lewis believed some of that, and he was a very devout Christian. Now, um, how did it all start? You know, let, let's go to that. Well, there was a big bang, and there was gases. All right, where did those come from? All right, I'm that guy. You'd be mad at me. That's why I didn't. You know, if I went to college, I'd be that. I'd be. <laughs> I wouldn't get very good grades because I'd be asking those kind of questions. Uh, anyway, so my faith. And seeking God was was like that, right? Was was kind of angry, um, asking questions and talking to folks that knew more about the Bible than I did, and talking about talking to guys who were like jacked up addicts, you know, and, and loved Jesus, and and like that kind of confused me. Like, why would you love him? Doesn't he hate you? <laughs> right? Like, didn't you do really bad stuff and sin against his people and? hurt people, you know, like I did. I was talking about myself, basically. So, you know, th- that was part of seeking God, okay? Um, Psalm 51 is David having a relationship with God and being, uh, how would I put it, subservient to God. He's bending his knee to God. He's, he's sorry, really, you know, really sorry about what he did. After he got caught, which I find ironic and very honest about the story, by the way. You know, if the prophet Nathan wouldn't have 
just busted David right there in his sin? Would he just have continued on into self-destruction? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it, the, the story plays out how it plays out, and David in Psalm 51 writes this song. That's what it is, man. It's like a, it's like a blues tune, man, and it's a song pouring out to God in sorrow. Um, we live in a different time, you know. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Jesus paid that that debt that David totally felt, you know. So when it comes to changing our behavior, it's not that, you know, when I say behavior modification, you know, some of this stuff it's good. I mean, it's good to have instruction and knowing what to do and where to go. And I talk about some of that stuff, like, you know, from uh, Every Man's Battle, those guys, you know, talking about bouncing your eyes and not soaking in images of, of women that, you know, turning them into like a piece of meat and, and drinking in that, that image, that lust, right? Um, those kinds of disciplines. Watching your thought life. When a, when a fiery arrow hits the, you know, the flammable carpet in your mind, you, you're getting good at, at putting that out before it spreads. You know, however many fiery arrows come flying through the window, getting getting good at, at, at putting out those flames, right? You get a thought, hits your mind, you choose to do something with it. And, you know, those are some of those disciplines I talk about. But, again, is that behavior modification? Why did I do it? And I unpack a lot of that in some of those early shows. Why did I start to take this thing on, you know, fight sin in my mind, in my body, right? Because my body loves God. My body realized, right, my, my heart, my spirit realized that God wants good for me because I used to think he hated me and wanted bad for me and was punishing me, right? I used to think that. All right, God the Father punished Jesus. I mean, Jesus felt, went through, and paid for the bad stuff that I did. And that's substitutionary atonement, theologians call it. I mean, realizing that, having that collide with my heart, woke me up in a way that I could love God. And out of my love for God, start to take this thing on. Does that make sense? It's not that I just do it just to change my behavior so I'm not a sex addict anymore. It was, and this isn't just behavior replacement therapy or love replacement therapy. Um, but we will bend our knee, right? I mean, we all bend our knees to the things we love, so... Loving the creator of those things, not demonizing sex, saying sex is bad, but loving God, thanking him for the gift, and realigning my heart with him so I can enjoy his creation, enjoy the stuff he made, and not be owned by it. Does that make sense? And that brings me to the show topic, which is step six in the 12 steps. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Now that takes some uh, review, doesn't it? Because it sounds like God's supposed to do it for you. 
that's it's almost what that insinuates. Step six, if we don't if we don't understand the steps um, previous. Again, step six says we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So steps one through six, as I see it. According to Russ Shaw. Anyway, I'll just read him. So, uh, step one. We admit we are powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step one. I love step one. It's kind of the, um, for me, uh, it's the I'm not God step. It's, It's bending our knee in submission to the fact that we don't have everything under control. That we are not the captain of our own ship. That we can't fix ourselves, right? That we have this thing that that is, is ruling and reigning in our lives. That that's step one. Uh, step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, this is the higher power step, right? Like there is a. God. There is a creator. I'm creation. I am created by a higher being than I am. It's, it's kind of a like a sequel to step one, right? Like, me trying to be God didn't work out. So I'm going to uh, admit that I, I need God. I need a higher power. That I'm not it, man. Um, step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Um, this is a step that I had a real hard time with, you know, uh, earlier in my life. Really, understanding God, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out to admit there's a God, to start to build a relationship with God. I mean, as we understand God, the care, being in the care of God, and, and uh, you know, that takes some unpacking, man. That's going to take some work on your part. That's going to take some uh, prayer, um, talking to other people of faith again, right? Some folks that have, are maybe farther along the journey than you are. Uh, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Moral inventory, man, this is important. It's just good to, it's like pruning a tree. And there's a lot of these analogies in the Bible, like taking the trees, you know, the, the chunks of the tree off that that aren't bearing fruit and tossing them in the fire. Um, pruning a tree down so that it can bear fruit. Uh, love is that fruit, right? Without, without love, our, our lives are fruitless. And, and it's just more junk that needs to be tossed in the fire. So, a moral inventory. This is a really good discipline to sit down. It's kind of like writing out the, the family tree of your life, of your of your morals, of the things that you do, don't do, of the person you are. And then you can see what parts maybe need to be pruned, right? Um, step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. All right, this is confession. Yes, you talk to God about it, and that's great. But also, 
you're you're opening up to another person. You're going to admit the affairs that you've had. And listen, does this mean you blurt it all out to your wife in one night? No. Um, I think that that may take some time to get to that point. You may need to sit in an office with a pastor or a counselor and, and unpack it there with a, with a mediator present. I think that's important. That's a, a bomb squad. I did a bunch of shows on that. But, man, it, uh, confessing it, it, it's so important. Um, and then step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, which he will do when we're honest, when we're honest with ourselves honest to God and to other people. The truth is we can't fix ourselves. And that's a big part of step six. Yes, there are attitudes we can adopt. There are steps that we can take. There are behaviors, you know, that we can change, right? That we can be aware of and, and start to take some disciplinary action towards the things that we do. But bottom line is we have a relationship with our addiction. Um, I've talked about the red lizard analogy on this show since, uh, for years and it's, it's a good refresher. I don't think I've ever done this though. I'm going to actually read from C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, the part of the book where the, uh, the red lizard story appears because I think it's important and it also shows, um, how we're, we're ready and willing to let God remove our defects of character, right? Okay, check this out. This is like kind of a scary Halloween story, being as it's October as I'm recording this. It's about about ghosts. Um, I saw coming towards us a ghost who carried something on his shoulder. Like all ghosts, he was unsubstantial, but they differed from one to the other. Some as smoke, others whitish, but this one was dark and oily. What sat on his shoulder was a little red lizard, and it was twitching its tail like a whip and whispering things in his ear. As we caught sight of him, he turned his head to the reptile with a snarl of impatience. Shut up, I tell you, he said. It wagged its tail and continued to whisper to him. He ceased his snarling presently began to smile. Then he turned and started to limp westward, away from the mountains. Off so soon, said a voice. The speaker was more or less human in shape, but larger than a man, and so bright that I could hardly look at him. His presence smote my eyes, on my body too, for there was heat coming from him, as well as light." Like the morning sun at the beginning of a trenarious summer day. <laughs> I don't know that word. A treacherous, trenarious, I don't know. Uh, Lewis is British, so here we go. Yes, I'm off, said the ghost. Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's no good, you see. I told this little chap, here he indicated the lizard, that he'd have to be quiet if he came which he insisted on doing. Of course, his stuff won't do here. I realize that, but he won't stop. I shall just have to go home. 
Would you like me to make him quiet, said the flaming spirit angel, as I now understood. Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step forward. Oh, uh, look out, you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want him killed? Question mark. You didn't say anything about killing him at first. I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It's the only way, said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Well, what's a further question? I'm quite open to consider it, but it's a new point, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only thinking about silencing it, because... Up here, well, it's so damned embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there's time to discuss that later. There's no time. May I kill it? Please, I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, it's gone to sleep now, on its own accord. But I'm sure it'll be all right now. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think the slightest necessary... I, I don't think it's the slightest necessary for that. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it in order now. I think that the gradual process would be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all. <laughs> I love that. Don't you think so? Well, think it over. What... Uh, what you've said very carefully, I honestly will. In fact, I'd let you kill it now, but as a matter of fact, I'm not feeling frightfully well today. <laughs> Excuse. It would be silly to do it now. I'd need to be in good health for the operation. Some other day, perhaps. There is no other day. All days are present right now. Get back, you're burning me. How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It's not so. Why are you hurting me now? I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. Oh, I know. You think I'm a coward. But it isn't that. Really, it isn't, I say. Let me run back by tonight's bus and get an opinion from one of my own doctors. I'll then come again in the first moment I can. This is the moment that contains all moments, said the angel. Why are you torturing me? You are jeering at me. How can I let you tear me to pieces? If you wanted to help me, why didn't you kill the damn thing without asking me before I knew? It would be all over by now if you had. I cannot kill it against your will. It is impossible. Have your permission? The angel's hands were almost closed in on the lizard, but not quite. Then the lizard began chattering to the ghost so loud that I could even hear it, hear what it was saying. Be careful, it said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you, and he will. Then you'll be without me, forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? 
you'd be only the sort of ghost, not a real man, that you are now. He doesn't understand. He's only a cold, bloodless, abstract thing. It may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes, I know. There are no real pleasures now, only dreams. That's very, very... I'm sorry, I'm stopping right here, but that's very uh, profound to our internet culture now. This was written in the, what, 50s, 60s? The, the little red lizard saying that. Um, it may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes, I know. There are no real pleasures now, only dreams. This is the guys who don't have relationships, who, you know, their life is lived online, playing Xbox or games on the computer or social media and, and using pornography without real relationship. It's, it's, it's a dream world. It's, it's not real. Um, anyway, I digress. Back to the story. Here we go. This is the Red Lizard speaking. But aren't they better than nothing? I'll be so good. I admit. I've sometimes gone too far in the past. But I promise. I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams. All sweet and fresh and almost innocent. That's profound right there. Almost innocent. You might say quite innocent. Have I your permission? said the angel to the ghost. I know it will kill me. It won't. But supposing it did. You're right. It would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. Then may I? Damn and blast you. Go on, can't you? Get it over with. Do what you like, bellowed the ghost, but ended whimpering. God help me. God please help me. The next moment the ghost gave a scream of agony, such as I'd never heard on earth. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile, twisting it while it bit and whirled, and then flung it broken back onto the turf. Ow, that's done it for me, gasped the ghost, reeling backwards. But for a moment I could make out distinctly, then saw, between me and the nearest bush, unmistakably solid, but growing every moment solider, the upper arm and the shoulder of a man. Then, brighter still and stronger, the legs and hands, the neck and golden head materialized while I watched. And if my attention had not wavered, I should have seen the actual completing of a man, an immersed man, naked, not much smaller than the angel. What distracted me was the fact that the moment something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first I thought the operation had failed. So far from dying, the creature was still struggling and growing bigger. As it struggled, as it grew, it changed. Its hinder parts grew rounder. The tail, still flickering, became solid tail of hair that flickered between a huge, glossy buttocks. Suddenly, I stared back, rubbing my eyes. What I had stood before me was a great stallion. I've never seen silvery white, but with a mane tail of gold. It was smooth and shining and rippled and swelled with flesh and muscle, whinnying and stamping with its hooves. At each step, the land shook 
and the trees dindled. The new-made man turned and clapped the new horse's neck. It noisy. It, it nosed its bright body. The horse mastered each breath with its other nostril. The new-made man turned and clapped. The horse and the master breathed into each other's nostrils. The man turned from it, flung himself at the feet of the burning one, and embraced him. When he rose, I thought his face shone with tears, but I have been only liquid love and brightness, and I had not long to think of it. In joyous haste, the young man leaped on the horse's back, turning his seat and waved farewell, then nudged the stallion with his heels. They were off before I knew well what was happening. There was riding, if you like. I came out as quickly as I could from among the bushes to follow them with my eyes, but they are already gone like shooting stars far off the green plain as soon as among the foothills of the mountains. Then, still like a star, I saw them winding up, scaling what seemed to be an impossible steeps, and quicker with every moment, till the dim brow of the landscape so high that it must have strained my neck to see them. They vanished, bright themselves, into the rose brightness of the everlasting morning. It's a, it's a beautiful story. The Red Lizard of Lust, it's been called. God does it. We ask him to remove it. And this is kind of that one day at a time type of thing, right? Like, it it takes our submission of it. It's a spiritual thing, man. It's more than a cognitive thing. It's more than a behavior thing. It is a spiritual submission to to have that thing killed right? We don't manage sin. We don't try and manage it. We, we want it to die. We want it killed, right? Sexuality isn't the bad thing, you know? It, it's not. In it is the pull of relationship, the pull of committed, you know, family and, and writing into the future, right? But God has to do the work, right? God does the surgery. God rips the red lizard from our shoulder um, when we think we can't live without it. We think that without it, somehow we're going to die. Simply not true. I speak from experience here. Um, love you guys. I'm going to leave the show right there. Something to think about. Uh, something to digest. My name is Russ. The uh, website is asi247.org. Donations, man, if you could leave a donation to get through the uh, fall-winter area, help uh, pitch in some gas money to keep this, keep the podcast rolling, I would certainly appreciate that. You can do that on the website, asi247.org. Till next time. Again, thanks for listening, and keep me in your prayers. 
uh, I'm praying for you guys. Just a lot of, again, coming up against resistance. I had somebody tell me when I started the podcast years ago that you're picking a fight with the devil, right? So I should expect some some resistance. And uh, been kind of a tough season. So keep me in your prayers. I'm praying for you guys. Until next time, I love you guys. I need that sincerely. Bye. In the morning, yeah, I want to see your smiling face. Stop taking hours Rocking up I can't help you.